Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. We are, of course, looking at Jon Favreau's 2008 film, Iron Man. And joining me today, we have Jared Abrahamson, a periodic guest host on the Epic Marvel Podcast. Hey, Jared. Hey, Andy. How's it going? Good, good. Uh, Thanks for joining me this week. I'm looking forward to uh, having you on the show to chat a little bit about Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, quite a fun movie. And what better way to talk about it than talk about every single... last second of it (laughs) exactly exactly why not why not i say (laughs) the um uh, we are looking at minute 71 today and in this minute it starts with tony offering to fire pepper and it ends with pepper explaining tony to himself we're in a, a, a good moment i think for kind of some uh interesting relationship building going on between pepper and tony in these next few minutes it's it's nice seeing the the interaction between these two characters and uh you know get just kind of getting a sense of of their relationship which i think is uh is uh portrayed pretty nicely here yeah that that's true this is a nice minute i, I guess it's uh the relationship minute <laughs> you could say or you know they're dancing mostly the whole time and <laughs> yeah the uh-huh. lovey-dovey minute i guess <laughs> It's it's a nice uh, it's a it's a good way to kind of play their relationship where you're getting this sense of of uh, you know I mean he's her boss but uh, as she says you know you couldn't tie your shoes without me and proving to him he doesn't even know his own social security number it's a it's a it's a weird view I think that he has on the world it, it is very much that Elon Musk sort of thing where it's it's he's just thinking of things that are so big that all these trivial things about actually you know running a life and making sure that it it works um, are managed and of course he does have pepper for that and and I think that she is proving pretty well here that he really needs to have her around because he doesn't even know his own social security number. Oh, he, he knows, uh, the number five. <laughs> He's got the number yeah, five. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very funny moment, the way that that plays off, which I, I think is, it's pretty funny. What's interesting. This is an odd little thing. Um, in the script, she actually, rattles off his entire social security <laughs> number for oh, him which i i find strange i'm like do, is that something that they that they you know thought that they would actually do they she says 119645484 <laughs> and i'm like i i'm surprised that that they would have thought that yes let's put an entire social security number in the film now granted i don't think they can do anything with it unless the name is attached to it that it belongs to and I'm certainly not going to go poking around on the dark web to try to figure out whose social security number that well, is. It's fine. No, <laughs> just, just kidding. <laughs> oh, hey, there we found we found the person. Right. That would have been a really weird moment if it actually was it, your yeah. social. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, what What's funny about it is that so the the social security number it's actually one one nine, which is coded for New York. So. Now it's it's not necessarily you're not necessarily born there. That's where you were um, when you were registered. Um, but at least we know that as a kid, his family was living in New York. So to a certain extent, they were trying to keep that part of the Tony Stark character 
um, within uh, the kind of context of the overall story, even if it wasn't uh, it, it, the whole film wasn't taking place there. Were you were you a, a reader of of uh, Iron Man comics? Um, I I haven't really read too much Iron Man. Um, I, I've read a couple of the the epic collections that have been released, but uh, uh, uh-huh. I hadn't read anything before the movie came out. Um, yeah, I've mostly read X Men and Spider Man and that kind of stuff. But right, so right, right. I was aware of Iron Man, but I I didn't know his story. I guess. He he's an interesting character, and he's he's one that I've grown more fond of um, over the years, uh, and, but largely because of the films. I, I had never read Iron Man, and so it's nice to uh, it's nice to kind of find who this character is through here. But then also fill in a lot of the backstory with the comics because I think that he's such an interesting character the way that he's been uh, written and has evolved over the years in the in the comic books. Yeah, yeah, I. I totally agree and it's it's interesting reading some of the comics you know both before the movie came out and afterwards he was much more of a serious character before the movie and that yeah yeah and now afterwards it's it's all he's written more like how robert downey jr is in the comics we've talked about how robert downey jr is very much like Tony Stark, like he embodies Tony Stark because he kind of his life seems so Tony Starkish in some ways. Yeah. But you bring up an interesting point. That is certainly something that I think um, Robert Downey Jr. brought to the character that wasn't necessarily there beforehand. I mean, he had kind of that that Marvel comic sense of humor and there was that kind of bit in there. But I don't think it nearly had the uh the level that it did until um he came along and i think that actually kind of set a mark for the films of the mcu period oh yeah ab- absolutely they're all all the films i think are more more jokey than their comic counterparts <laughs> but i mean there's nothing wrong with that i pretty much love all the mcu movies so well, and because I mean, I know you're a big X Men fan. Yeah, those films strike me as m- like a much more serious take on kind of the world of the comic books. Like they don't have as much just kind of that jovial sense of humor that these ones do. Right. Right. Yeah. And at least to my recollection, I mean, maybe I'm misremembering them. Uh, right, well, they have some moments, but you know, for the most part, it's it's much more much more serious, and actually, I think even more serious than the the, the comics were. Oh, really? Yeah. Well. I, I guess mostly in the, it's like not as bright and colorful as, you know, everyone's wearing leather suits right. and all that, but yeah, yeah. but uh, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, and, and I, I think they even had that fun little nod in, in one of them where they're wearing those kind of, I can't remember like the yellow and blue suits or whatever. They're like, why are we wearing these? <laughs> whatever. They, they make a little joke about those. I, <laughs> yeah. Which was pretty funny. So this is this this interesting moment between boss and uh, and employee, um, but I, it's an interesting relationship because we've seen them kind of building this relationship over the film. We've had a moment earlier where he uh, has her help him install the new arc reactor in his chest. Mm-hmm. And he has that moment where it's like, I don't have anybody, you're it. And that's where the connection began. And then we have her gift him the old arc reactor in that little box. And now we have this moment that is this, as she says, totally weird. And he says, totally harmless. But they have this look in each other, other's eyes. And you get a sense that there is a connection there. And 
I like that about this. I think it's a it's an interesting little interesting beat in their relationship. Yeah, yeah. It's it, their their relationship in this movie. It feels like it grows naturally, you know. As uh, and, and it's not like she becomes the the girlfriend at the end just for the sake of having a love story. You know, I mean, there's yeah, not yeah. a whole lot in the movie of that, but there's, I mean, certainly an element. Yeah. The Marvel films have been tough on women characters, unfortunately. Um, I mean, this is, this is a, another of those films that doesn't necessarily pass the, the Bechdel test because, I mean, you, you do have two women talking to each other, at least, you know, you have the scene where, where Pepper and Christine are talking after Christine um, wakes up in t- Tony's bed. But then they're kind of talking about Tony, so it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't quite pass. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, the taking out the trash yeah. line. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly, exactly. Which is a great line, but it is you know it it would be nice if there were more strong characters in uh, in a lot of these earlier Marvel films. It, it's just it's crazy to me that it took them ten years to really start you know letting women lead some of them. Yeah, well, uh, I, I think that's. Partly because I, th- I think in the, the 90s when Marvel was bought by the Toy Biz, the action figure company, uh, uh-huh. they found that the female action figures did not sell as well as the, the guy ones. So they started to try and downplay <laughs> women to a, to a large extent. Uh, interesting. Yeah. You think it all came from their understanding of their audience based on the toy sales? I, I think so. I think that... Uh, I'm sure that's not all of it, but I'm sure that's factors in. Well, and I don't think that uh, the way that the superhero movie market had been set up over the decades before, there were male superheroes and they made good films with those characters and uh, they were successes. And there weren't many female superheroes that um, they used to make um, feature films. And if they did, they often weren't that successful or they were the ones who were wearing outfits that might as well pass as bikinis and, you know, right, right, <laughs> that, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I mean, Barry's Catwoman. Right. And uh, what was the one with uh, Ben Affleck's wife? Uh, oh, Electra, yeah. And even going back before that, like Supergirl. I mean, granted, she had a, a an actual normal superhero suit, I guess, as far as like the Superman of the era, the same type of just skin tight outfit. It's not like a bikini, but still, I, I don't know how popular that was. It certainly wasn't as popular as the Superman films were. So I think that sadly, it was one of those also a historical thing where they looked back on the history of superhero films and said, you know what, it's the, the, the female films have never quite taken off as well or been as strong. And I think they just didn't know how to do it. And uh, I think it's taken them a while to figure it out. I, I'm just glad that they have. Yeah. Do, do you think some of that comes with uh, from not having any female like writer directors or even, I don't know, producers or whatever, like, people in charge making decisions on these films to a certain extent um i think that there certainly is something to that uh you know having people find characters that they connect with who they want to use to tell their stories i think is is certainly a strong thing that can lead them to projects that they connect with more and and some of these people i think are just connecting with 
these characters because they're more familiar to them. And you look at the like the female superheroes that stand out, and uh, even thinking about the X Men superheroes. I mean, they, you know, I mean the X Men, the the Marvel superheroes. They've had quite a few female superheroes over the years, and um, I don't know. I guess it's it just strikes me that none of them really have stood out to people to do something with before now. But and also, I think a lot of it is in the early days. Comic books seemed to be kind of written for teenage boys, and the female characters were a little bit like we talked about Pepper and and how she was written in those early issues and it's just it's embarrassing to read now it's it's so bad yeah <laughs> i mean it's of its time but it just yeah it just you know i would hate to you know read that with my daughter now or let her read it because it just is like yeah you know i don't want you to be like that okay, right well and i mean it's the, the same thing with the early fantastic four or x-men or you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp, <laughs> all, the, all yeah. the female characters are all not realistic. So I, I think it's taken them time to find the right storytellers to tell their stories. And, uh, you know, going back to this minute, it's it's uh, I, I am at least glad that they made Pepper a much stronger character in the films, even if it's not passing the Bechdel test, even if it's something where they do end up kind of having a connection and and falling for each other. I like that it's not necessarily about just saving the girl and being with a different girl in the next movie or whatever, like James Bond or something. It just feels like, uh, you know, it's a little better of a relationship here. And they could have totally gone down the road with a comic book where Pepper just was like swooning over Tony all the time. And it just, I don't think it would have held, held up nearly as well. I, I think it works a lot better here because the way that Gwyneth Paltrow plays it, she's so kind of uncomfortable with this whole idea. And I think she brings that level that we need to the character that helps us set Tony in a much more grounded world. Uh, he's not necessarily grounded, but at least we can see, you know, the perspective through her eyes of him. And I think that it helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we go from uh, this moment, and then uh, we follow them as they go outside to get some air. Now, we get this strange shot of Coulson. Now, Coulson, we know, is there. He's already had a conversation with Tony before um, Tony, and, and set up a, a meeting with Tony before Tony went off and and uh, connected with Pepper. But they this is one of those edits that uh, it's it's one of the weaker edits in the film uh and the film i think has really strong transitions from scene to scene this is one where i feel it's it's just it never has worked for me we cut to colson still standing up at the bar and it looks like he's glowering like i don't understand what his look is but he's kind of got this 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 odd look on his face like he's studying them i can't tell if he's I mean, Tony kind of left him saying, let me go talk to my assistant and we'll confirm everything. And like, is is he waiting for them to come back? I, I don't quite, I don't know. I struggle reading his face. Yeah, it's it just seems like uh, there's no reason to cut to him at that moment because it, it doesn't play into anything that happens later at all. I mean, you know, the Colson and Pepper team up at the end of the movie, but it has sure nothing to do with this scene really 
So I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, it, do you think it, it, maybe they just used that shot to hide them going out of the, the building or whatever? They or they felt like they didn't get coverage on, on something and they're just using that to cut away? I mean, that's my best guess. Like they, they didn't have a good enough transition out of that scene or into the next scene. Because the next scene starts, it's not like they walk onto the balcony. Like they're already standing on the balcony mid-conversation basically right. so it's almost like they they shot it in a way where they they didn't have the right way to connect it and so they just had to throw this in here and uh, i don't know one i i find colson's look odd like why is he just staring at them now and two the bartender on the right like just i don't know he he always distracts me he's like so smiley and you know there's nothing wrong with it it just yeah it just feels like an odd choice to uh, to throw in here, and I just feel like it was um, they were stuck with it. That's that's what I feel every time I look at this. Like, well, we're stuck with this shot because we don't have a better way to move from the interior to the exterior. Yeah, because yeah. I, I I don't know what he could be thinking uh, or <laughs> yeah, ah, it doesn't yeah, even matter. Knows. Yeah, it's the last time we'll see him though, because uh, at this particular party. So he, I guess, they go outside and he must give up and just leave. <laughs> right. right. Like, oh, you, you blew me off. You're not, <laughs> you're not really talking about yeah. that. Yeah. Right, right. So they go outside and they continue their conversation about being weird versus being harmless. Uh, uh, he says everyone's dancing. No one's watching. Uh, she's lost her objectivity. Um, and, and I think she brings up a really good point. She's like, uh, you're you. Everyone knows who you are and how he is with girls. And I think this is actually a really valid point to bring up um, from Pepper, because if she is having any sort of romantic inclinations for Tony, it is the it now it's this idea of who Tony is and who people think he is and expect him to be that all of a sudden is going to be, you know, leading people to interpret who she is and that she's just sleeping with the boss or whatever to, uh, you know, or that she's just another victim. However it is, I, I think it's definitely an interesting thing that is worth thinking about for her. I mean, you know, why would she want to, um, fall for him and, and, and connect with him knowing how many women he, she has uh, cleaned up for him after, you know, it's like, I mean, she's there after, after Christine kind of making sure she gets out of the house. I mean, this probably happens all the time and, and, I don't know. It's just a, an odd thing. And I, I think it is, uh, I don't know. I think it would be hard to feel like it's somebody that you could connect with and be with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to uh, be with Tony, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. Well, I, I guess uh, when they're about to kiss is in the next minute. So I shouldn't yeah. bring that up. Oh, yeah. Well, this one, I mean, the thing that I do think it's doing is it is setting up this romance, but also it's kind of this growing up of that Tony is doing as it, theoretically, we've seen him kind of growing up already in this film, going from this kind of cocky, uh, arrogant playboy at the beginning who throws away his money and is with different girls all the time. And then he ends up getting caught by these terrorists and it's really kind of changed him and affected who he is. Now he's in this place where he's 
growing up a little bit, and we don't know exactly what he's doing with this suit that he's doing. At this point, it just seems like he's kind of building something for fun. But certainly, it seems like he's getting a little more serious, maybe leaving some of these Playboy ways behind him. I think that's actually an interesting element to his character. But I do think that Pepper brings up a good point. And I like that she doesn't just fall for him. Because if she just fell for him, it would just I, I would lose a lot of respect for her. She doesn't just fall for him right away. And by not doing that, it, uh, it, it forces him to kind of continue cleaning up and become a better person still. And, uh, you know, it's not just an easy switch to flip. She, she, he actually has to go through and do quite a bit of work to actually win her over. And I think that's nice. Yeah, it, um, just what you're saying there made me think. It almost seems like that Tony didn't realize how important Pepper was to him until after he came back from captivity. You know, like he was right. Yeah, just taking her for granted. But but now he's like realizing, like, but you know, as he says in the scene, that he can't do anything without her. Right, right. Well, and that's actually a great point because there is a moment that I had forgotten about, but when he is getting tortured and we have that moment where the ten rings terrorists are kind of dunking him and and torturing him in that moment he's got a flash of the uh the arc reactor but we also hear a, a cry of of pepper saying tony uh which i i mean i think the audio they probably pulled from the end of the film and just use that line in there but it is interesting because you're hearing pepper calling his name in that flash and it is a moment like kind of this connection with her and i think that's a very valid point he's he's realizing that there's a she's a much more important person in his life i like that yeah now on the balcony in the script it's uh pepper has this <laughs> this horrible uh line uh or this uh this monologue really let me read it to you real quick um so tony and pepper under the stars close together pepper I'm sorry I was so uncomfortable. I hate being the center of attention like that. And that's why this one time in high school when I was supposed to be in a play, no, never mind. But you know, that's why I never like wanted to have a big wedding, you know, because I thought everyone would be looking at me wearing a dress. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not saying like wedding. No, not like that. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh boy. Wow. That's, <laughs> that, that almost seems like, I don't know. It, teenage girl like you know something in a right breakfast club or, <laughs> or a movie like that uh, i don't know i i'm very glad they didn't use that <laughs> i like to think that gwyneth paltrow came in and just like no i'm not gonna say this this is this is pretty silly right. yeah yeah well, weren't they uh ad-libbing quite a bit uh during the making of this you know uh, there was some ad-libbing um I think a lot of that came from Robert Downey Jr. Gwyneth Paltrow has said that she had a much harder time with that. Um, and like, I just don't think that she felt as comfortable doing that. Uh, I think she prefers to have everything written out uh, based on what I read. And I think that ended up working nicely with how these characters came across because she feels uh, a little more uncomfortable with the way that he's constantly throwing randomness her way and i think it really works to the uh, to their characters in the story yeah okay well i uh i don't think i have anything else for this minute our, our scene is going to continue tomorrow as they uh as they have a little bit more interaction going on but um uh yeah do you have anything else for this minute no not not really <laughs> just yeah like you were saying that shot of colson the the bartender behind them he 
that's really weird. (laughs) (laughs) He is so funny. I've not been able to find anything that identifies who he is, but he's a, I mean, he's a background actor. He was, um, in there earlier when Tony came up to the bar to get a drink and, uh, we'll see him again. And I don't know, he's just very smiley and he's so lit like that bar. I mean, it's, it's a lit bar. So obviously it's casting its light up onto him, but there's so much light on his face that it's almost like becomes the center of attention. You're looking at Colson, but then I always find myself drawn to his like glowing smile. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's much, much brighter corner of the frame, (laughs) but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's that's it. Well, uh Jared, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, anytime. Where can where can people find you on the internet and learn more about the uh, the podcast that you're on sometimes? Um so it's the Epic Marvel Podcast. Um there there's a website and you could also follow Curtis on Twitter at the Epic Marvel Podcast and Curtis being the 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 main host of the show, yes, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Curtis Finley. Um yeah, and I'm I show up uh, I don't know two or three times uh, every year, and I discuss yeah. Captain America, Black Panther, and X Men X Factor. Follow me on Twitter if you want. Uh, I usually use that for complaining these days, but <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I think my Twitter handle is at Goat Goblet. The good old goat goblet. Yep. Good old I love it. goblet. Yeah. <laughs> Means nothing, but nobody ever takes it. So I'm the only one. <laughs> so there you go. Hey, that works out well for you then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, that is it for today's show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at patreon.com slash the next reel. Until next time, true believers. Hey guys, this is Andy here. Just wanted to give you a heads up. Unfortunately, we ran into audio issues with Jared's audio and... The audio for the rest of the week uh, just wasn't usable. So Pete and I had to jump in and just kind of record the episodes ourselves. We apologize to Jared, but certainly check out their podcast. And we hope to have Jared back on a future show.